Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are class number 19. The Midrash brings a story that happened by David Amelech. That during the days of David Amelech, they had a plague and people were dying on a daily basis. The Midrash says a hundred people a day. Which means they couldn't figure out what the possible cause of why people were dying. Obviously, in the generation of David Amelech, they were looking for spiritual causes. What could it be that Am Yisrael is doing wrong or is not doing that is causing such a terrible tragedy in Am Yisrael? That's an unbelievable statement, by the way. God forbid something happens today in our community or in any Jewish community. It would be just which item to pick from. It, was, it wouldn't be a question of, oh, we don't know why. The question would be, which one is it? Are we not learning Torah enough? Is it a Tzinyaut issue? Is it a Shabbat issue? Is it a Hinuch issue? It was just like, pick your item, which item you think is the cause. When a generation could say, I don't know why. How come this is happening? It seems that things were all good. People were living the right way. People were behaving the right way. So they couldn't figure out what could be the cause. What do we have to strengthen to stop this plague. Says the Midrash, At Shehakar, till David al-Melech looked into the matter, Vehevin beruah hakodesh, he needed some spiritual connection to understand, Vetiken lahem liisrael me'aberachot. And he instituted that everyone should say a hundred berachot a day. Now it doesn't say what he understood. It just says he looked into it, he understood, and he made them say one hundred berachot. Now in truth, last week we saw another source for a hundred berachot. Rabbi Meir brings a hint from the Torah. I don't know if David Amelech made the 100 berachot rule, or maybe he basically told them, you guys got to strengthen these 100 berachot. Things are not going right. We need 100 berachot a day to be done correctly. What is it that David HaMelech saw that brought him to this result? Meaning, if I see something is broken, I find out what the issue is, and I fix that problem. 
what is it that David HaMelech saw that was broken, that he says, oh, and now we're going to fix it? We're going to fix the problem with Me'a Now remember, this is a generation that looked around and said, what's the problem? Everyone is doing the right thing. They couldn't find one issue. Yet David HaMelech found an issue, and whatever that issue was, he said, I'm going to fix it by making everyone say a hundred berachot a day. And that's going to fix the problem, which it did. This Midrash is brought down in the Tur or Rahayim, Siman Membav. I'm going to read for you the words of Shulchan Aruch in the opening Siman and opening Halakha of Shulchan Aruch which we just started this new cycle yesterday. The Ramah writes, Shiviti Adonai L'Nerdi Tamid, which means, basically in other words, living your life with Hashem's presence in your life. That's called Shiviti. I says David Melech, I see Hashem always next to me. Who kelal gadol ba Torah is a very important principle in Torah. Ube maalot hatzadikim, and in the qualities of righteous people. Let me explain what that means. Maalot tzadikim. If someone were to ask you, what is the measurement? What type of measurement do we use to measure great people? Now, if we had a scale, we're not going to do this. But imagine that we did. Imagine we were going to rate people. And we said, okay, we're going to take 100 people and we're going to rate them in the level of greatness in life. Are they living a great life or mediocre life or failures? So what is it that we're going to be using as our yardstick to say, oh, this one, top, 100. This one, zero. This one is 50. This one is 70. What is it that we would look at to say, this is the measuring stick of a great person? So I'm sure many of us would have some different answers. One would say, maybe how much Torah they learned. Maybe one would say, how much Yirat Shamayim they have. Maybe how well they pray. how dedicated they are, how much kindness they do. Is there some sort of barometer that we could use? Is there anything specific to look at? Says Shulchan Aruch, yes. The ma'alot of tzaddikim, the steps that decide a great person, is how connected they are to Hashem in their daily life. According to the connection, that's how great they are. Which means, you don't have to be learning Torah all day. You could be working. Yet you could have a continuous connection. You don't have to be involved every second in helping somebody. But yet, you can have this connection. This is the measurement of great people, says the, the, the Shohan Aruch. Now, I want to tell you, this is a very big Hidush. 
And I think for most of us, it's something that we never thought about or not thought about enough. When we look at religion, we view it as a book of rules. It's the do's and don't do's of life. Don't do that. Make sure you do this. Stay away from that. It's basically a constitution. That's how we look at Torah. And we try to live by that constitution. But really, and I hope we never forget this, because it's the foundation of everything. Life and Torah and the Torah life is not meant to be lived as a book of rules. That's not what life's all about. We do need rules, but that's not, we're not living for the rules. The purpose of our existence is to have a relationship with our Creator. That is the purpose of life. Like we say in Shema, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha. Which means that your life is not meant to be this dry life of just doing, not doing, wake up, pray, make a beracha, eat kosher, dress this way, Shabbat's coming. It's not supposed to be that way. That's living a life of constitution. A person doesn't become in love with the government when they do the rules and they fulfill the rules. But in Judaism, the purpose of the rules is that it should bring you to an emotional connection and relationship with your Creator. The purpose of our life, and in fact the purpose of all the mitzvot, all the do's and don't do's, they are important, but they have a goal. The goal is to connect you, to have a relationship with Hashem. It's possible that you have a person that does nothing wrong. Zero. They do everything right. And they can be completely off the mark. Could it be I will look at a Jew that wakes up early in the morning, goes to pray, goes to learn, honest in business, doesn't talk Lashon Hara, eats kosher, does everything right. I will look at them and say, wow, it's perfect. I don't see anything wrong with this person. And it could be that that person has missed the goal of what it is that we're trying to accomplish. If there is no relationship with him and his creator, and his focus is just on doing the mitzvot or not doing averot, if that's what he's focused on, if he's focused on the constitution and the rules, but not relating it to his connection, then he missed the point. That's what the Gemara says. In Masechet Sanhedrin, the Gemara says that there was a generation in the time of Rav Yehuda where their learning was limited. They only learned certain Masechtot. And the later, the later generation is commenting about this previous generation and they're saying, we 
learn much more. We have more available to us than they did. Yet the Gemara says, in our generation, if God forbid there will be no rain, we pray and pray and pray and no one, li- no one listens to us. And in that generation where they didn't learn that much, the Gemara says, if Rav Yehuda would just take off his shoes as he was about to pray, ve'ata mitra, already it starts raining. The Gemara says, how come? We're doing so much better religiously than the previous generation. Why is it that we're being ignored and that generation seems to be, everything is open for them. They, they say they asked for something, it happened. The Gemara says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Because really what Hashem wants is your heart. It's not the actions that make a difference. It's your relationship with your Creator that makes the difference in your life. Your quality of life and your purpose in life. Of course, without the actions, you cannot have the relationship. It's like having a relationship with a person that you're married to, but you don't do anything for them. It's not going to happen. The way to the relationship is when you do things for somebody. The way you love your children is by doing things for them. That's obvious. But it's possible to do things in such a dry, emotionless, heartless way that all you do is the act. But you forgot the relation. You forgot why you're doing it. You forgot who you're doing it for. And that doesn't bring ahava, doesn't bring love. The Gemara is saying that you could be the most observant generation of mitzvot and you could be off the mark because you forgot that it's about the live. It's about your heart. I think in this generation, we can appreciate this very much. In our generation, while there are many, many issues that people are dealing with, especially young people. But at the same time, we find that what's available to us and our children in comparison to 50, 60, 70 years ago, in this country, you can't compare the level of kashrut, the amount of Torah learning available, the depth of Torah learning that's available, the choices the amount of shuls that we have, the amount of minyanim that we have. Just take a pair of tefillin, the way they're made today, with such perfection. I don't think in the history of our people have they worn such beautiful tefillin. So many things are available today, to me and you, that were not available 60, 70 years ago. They didn't even have a yeshiva to send their children. People had to send to public schools. Is it even possible to compare our generation where we have so much and the generation before we didn't have much? Perhaps we could also say that the previous generation, even though they were lacking in observance, but they had something that today is much harder to get. With all of the mitzvot that are available to us, 
we live in a generation of the name tag. It's not so much that you enjoy wearing your jacket. It's more that you enjoy the name that appears on it. When people buy a car, they're not thinking about what's comfortable and what drives well. <coughs> they're thinking about how they look at in the car, how people see them. Today's advertisements are not about the quality of the food or the drink or the clothing. It's about who wears it. It doesn't matter. They don't tell you if it's nice or it's tasty or it's good for your health. That's not relevant. We live in a generation where the name tag is all that matters. It's a shallow society. And unfortunately, that has also come into our circles. It's not really how big of a heart you have. What shul do you pray in? That's what's important. Who's your rabbi? How many hours a day do you spend learning? How long is your amida? What kind of shirt do you wear? Do you wear a hat? You don't wear a hat? What school do you send your children? Now, all these questions are important. But that's not what it's about. Just because you go to the right shul and you have the right rabbi and you're wearing the right things and you're doing everything right, it doesn't mean that you have a heart that's connected. You could just be acting the part. You're wearing the label. Now, better to wear a good label than a bad label. Once already, you're wearing labels. But that's not where it's at. But unfortunately, in our generation, that shallow society has crept into our own community. Where also it's become almost like a brand name of where you fit and who you are. More about your actual service and heart. And are you in it? And are you connected? Is it real? Again, doing what's right on the outside is super important. Do not walk out of this class saying, oh, it's all about the heart. You must do what it says. So what do we mean it's all about the heart? The only way to get to the heart is you have to do. But at the end of the day, you could also do without the heart. And you got to be careful not to miss the point. I'm going to give you an example where the heart comes to play in such a big way. And it might surprise you. You know, in the Torah, I'm going to ask right now a sensitive question. If you don't like sensitive questions, you can walk out or close your ears. It's a sensitive question. But it's a question that many people have, some consciously and many subconsciously. We have two types of mitzvot in the Torah. We have what we call mishpatim. Mishpatim are laws that when your mind hears them, your mind says, oh, that makes sense. I hear that. For example, when the Torah says, honor your father and mother. Your mind says, hmm, makes sense. I like that one. Makes sense. Do not murder. Good. Yes. Makes sense. Don't steal. I like that one. Yes. Of course. 
Love your friend. Nice. Very nice. Don't hate people. Yes. Go for it. These are called mishpatim. Mishpatim, when we hear them, our mind says, I like it. It makes sense to me. I don't know if I would have gotten to it on my own. Can't say that much. But when I hear it, I like it. And then there are hukim. A hok is a mitzvah that when your mind hears it, your mind says, huh? What? Don't eat milk and meat together. Why? Milk is kosher. Meat's kosher. What happens when they come together? Don't eat that. Now your mind says, I don't get that one. That's called the hog. People think hog is only shatnez. Shatnez, wool and linen. They're both kosher, but not together. Make sure you don't have a string of linen on your wool shirt or your wool jacket. And our mind says, what? What does it matter? Wool and linen. Now you should know there are many hokim. Many. Many things actually in Judaism we don't understand. They call them rituals. Why is it that I can't push a little, just to turn on the light? Go, boom. No, no, it's the day of rest. While we understand the concept of a day of rest, that yes. But turning on a light makes it not a day of rest? I can carry a box that's 250 pounds around the house for 24 hours from Friday night right by, right by candlelight. Carry the box for 24 hours till Havdalah. You're called Shomer Shabbat. You're sweating. You're exhausted. You're Shomer Shabbat. You didn't do anything wrong. But if you click a button then you're not Shemesh Shabbat. Now you didn't rest. In the summer, I walk probably nine miles every Shabbat. I would rest much more if I got into a car. For sure. At least if someone give me a lift. I see people driving their car. I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. I wish I can get in that car. It's hot. I'm sweating. Do I have any idea what I'm doing? No. I'm at the airport and I'm starving. I don't know if this ever happened to you. I'm at the airport, I'm starving, I want to eat something. And Baruch Hashem, the airport is full of food. The best food you ever saw. You want Chinese, you want Indian, you want Mexican, you want American, you want burgers, you want pizza, you want whatever you want. It's all there. And people are lining up with their plates. It looks that they went to the airport just to eat. It's unbelievable. And you're sitting there, and you're like, you're drooling. I'd love to take a slice from that. I wish I could have that cheeseburger. By the way, and the price is right. You know, go by the McDonald's. It's unbelievable. You get a cheeseburger with fries and a drink. 99 cents, the whole thing. It's such an unbelievable bargain. 
You walk into a kosher store, it's $10 just to walk in. <laughs> so, he said, what's the difference? It's the same animal, the same cow. So they took the knife and they went this way, or they went this way. That's the difference. That's what made the difference. Kosher, not kosher. My mind said, I don't get that. I'm sitting at the airport eating my cucumbers. <laughs> You've done that before. <laughs> what am I doing? And on and on and on. I can go on. But there are many times in our Jewish life that we are uncomfortable because we feel that we don't understand what's happening. Sometimes we feel unintellectual. We feel robotic. We feel empty. Because we don't understand what we're doing. And by the way, there are many people who have gone off the derech of Judaism because of these laws. I don't think any Jew ever went off the derech when he saw the mitzvah of kibbut abba'im. He saw the mitzvah of honoring parents. He said, you know what? It's not for me, this religion. I'm out of here. Nobody said that. Nobody looked at and said, this is not for me. No one looked at don't murder and said, I can't be part of this nation. That didn't happen. When people are bothered, again, sometimes it's subconscious. Maybe I'm talking for them what they feel subconsciously. When people are bothered, they're usually bothered with these rituals, these hokim that we're constantly doing. It's not once a year that we do this. It's constant. It's every day. Sometimes even prayer feels, feels like a ritual. I just prayed in the morning. Why, why am I praying again? Oh, he heard me in the morning. No, I, I got to pray again. What is that? What, what is that for? What am I saying? I feel like I'm doing something that's not meaningful. Mishpatim. Hokim, two parts of the Jewish life. Now I'm going to ask you a very important question. Here's the question. That was all introduction. The question is like this. Now, let's think, let's think together. Who created the human mind? Hashem, the creator, of course. I didn't create it. You didn't create it. Hashem created our brain. Now we know today, it's easy for us today, we have computers. And in these computers, somebody, they call them programmers, they put programs into the computer. Now when you get that computer, there's a certain language that the computer understands. How does the computer understand that language? The programmer put it into the program. So if you type something that the computer recognizes because the programmer put that information, then the computer will react to your request. But if you put a command that was not entered by the programmer, what will the computer do? You put in some weird request. The computer says, error, fatal error, 
I know what you want. What are you saying? You don't make sense. That's what he's saying to him. So whatever program was put into the computer brain, that's what the brain of the computer can understand. Whatever was not put into the brain, he cannot understand. So let's think this together. Hukim, for sure, we know that Hashem wouldn't give us things to do that don't mean anything. Hashem is not that kind. Everything is done with wisdom. Everything is done with thought. Everything has meaning. So while we don't understand why milk and meat is a problem, Hashem knows it's a problem. For our neshama, milk and meat is a problem. Shatnez is a problem. So let's think. If Hashem is the one that made our brain, and He programmed our brain, why is it that when you hear about don't steal, your mind says, oh, yeah, I like that one. You know why you like that one? Because Listen, one can argue, by the way. Stealing, what's the problem? We don't own the world. You know who owns the world? Hashem owns the world. It's not my world. It's not your world. So it's not your item I'm taking. Hashem owns everything. I can take it. People say murder. <gasps> That's terrible. Really? Have you murdered animals? How do you eat meat? Oh, well, well, that's different because, you know, that, that, why is it different? That's also murder. Not everything we think is so obvious is really so obvious as it sounds. But yet when we hear these commandments, we say, I like it. It makes sense to me. You know why it makes sense to us? Because the programmer, when he made our brain, he gave us a certain logic and common sense that these things make sense. That's why we say, yes, I like it. It makes sense to me. Who gave us the Torah? Hashem. So wait, why would he give us mitzvot that our mind doesn't understand. If he's the one programming our mind, and he's the one giving us all the mitzvot, so why not program our mind to understand all the mitzvot? If my mind understood and was programmed for sha'atnez, me and you would say, oh, of course, obvious. You can't wear wool on together. That's obvious. Makes sense. Why... Did Hashem not give us that program? It's a very big question. If He wants us to understand, I see He does because He gave us some programming, so then give us all the programming. If you don't want us to understand, if you want us to live like robots without understanding anything, so then don't give us anything. Why is it that He programmed for some and not for others? This, to me, and I think to many people, is a very big question. It's a very big deal. Again, maybe they wouldn't say it like I'm saying it, but that is a big question. Why don't we understand the Hukim? I'm going to read for you something very surprising. Moshe Rabbeinu 
at the end of his life, in Parashat Va'et Hanan, tells the Jewish people, Re'eh, he tells them, look, Limadti etchem, I have taught you, I have been teaching you, Hukim u'mishpatim. Nice, here are the two types. I've been teaching you the mishpatim, the ones you understand, and the hukim. Like Hashem told me. Next pasuk he continues. He says, Ushmartem va'asitem. Be careful. Commit and fulfill these mitzvot that I gave you. Kihi hochmatchem ubinatchem le'ene ha'amin. Because this is your wisdom and your greatness in the eyes of the nations. Listen to this. Asher yishme'un. Because when the nations will hear, et kol ha'hukim ha'ele, when they hear all about the hukim, ve'ameru, and they will say, wow, rak am hacham ve'navon ha'goy ha'gadol ha'zeh. This is a great nation. What wisdom there is in this nation. That's what the Goy will say. I don't know if every Goy will say. But the one who has intelligence and has an eye and understands history, understands the bigger picture, could see more than the average person could see with their eyes. He will look, says Moshe Rabbeinu, what will he look at? What will give him this reaction that says, wow, this is an amazing nation. Guess what? It is an amazing nation. This nation is amazing. Study history and you will see it. Today, there's not enough time for that. Our nation has been awesome throughout the last 4,000 years in many ways. And we're still around to talk about it unlike any other nation of old. What will bring this Goy to look at our nation from the outside and say, wow, what a nation. I got it. I understand why this is a great nation. Asher yishme'un et kol hukim when they hear about shatnes, when they hear about milk and meat, when they hear about kashrut, what? If anything, if they hear both, and if you're going to pick one, it wouldn't be this one. I'm sure they would appreciate they would appreciate all the beautiful laws that Every human can understand. How could Moshe Rabbeinu say, you know what's going to get them to appreciate your nation? Why are they going to say you're very special? You know what's going to get them to think that? When they see the Hukim. The Hukim, we're struggling with the Hukim. How could that be their excitement for what we've become? I'm going to ask you a question now. I'm going to see you outside walking on Ocean Parkway and you walk by one person, one little person, and I asked you, how come you didn't kill her? 
So I want to ask you, why didn't you just kill that person? Rabbi, ask me that question. I don't kill. Oh, okay. I see you in the store and somebody has their pocketbook wide open with a lot of hundreds. A few thousand dollars. Easily put in your pocketbook. Nobody's looking. And I say, Mrs. Levy, I noticed you didn't take that money. How come you didn't steal that money? You say, Rabbi, talk like that. Steal money? I'll never steal money. I'm not a thief. I'm not a murderer. When I see you go and honor your mother and father, and say, well, how much you do for your parents? And I ask you, why are you taking care of your mother like that? Why are you standing for your father? What's the, what are you doing? I say, Rabbi, it's my parents. What do you mean? You know what they gave me? They brought me to the world. They gave me their life. It's the least I can do. And if I saw you at the airport starving, and your mouth is drooling from the chicken that's being served. And I ask you, um, why are you eating old cucumbers? Why don't you have something that looks very good over there? Fresh, hot, tasty? What will you say? Will you say, Rabbi, what, what do you say? Okay, because Hashem says, I don't, I don't know why. And why are you checking for shatnes? What is that? Imagine the guy sees you. What are you, what are you doing? What, why is that important to, to ask you? And you say, I don't know. God said, Hashem told me. You know what happens when we do the mishpatim? the laws that we understand, it could sometimes be self-serving. I mean, we're good people. We don't steal. We don't murder. We honor our parents. We love our neighbors. We give charity. It's who we are. But when it comes to hokim, it's not that kind. And you know what connects us to Hashem? Not the mishpatim. The hukim. More than the mishpatim. Because the hukim, it's like you're doing something for your mother for no reason except that it's your mother. Not because you like it, not because it makes sense to you, not because you enjoy it. So why are you doing that? Because my mother said. That's called building a tremendous love and appreciation for your mother. Hukim actually bring us to Ahavat Hashem. They bring us to a relationship with Hashem. Because there's no other reason why we do them. Now, of course, you have to think about that. If you did all these Hukim in your life and never thought about it, I don't know that it's going to bring you to a connection. But guess what? The Gemara says that. 
What's supposed to be your reaction at that airport? What's supposed to be your reaction when you walk by McDonald's? Are you supposed to say, Oof, oh, I hate non kosher. I don't, I don't like it. It's disgusting to me. I can't. I can't look at it. The Gemara says, no. It's a mistake. When you walk by something not kosher, you're supposed to say, and you're supposed to feel also this way, that, oh, I wish I can come here. I love this. This is awesome. I wish I could eat this. But I can't. Because Hashem told me I can't. That's supposed to be the right way to do the hakim. You're not supposed to say, oh, I don't like it. Like it. But you still can't do it. Because Hashem told you, and those hukim are meant to bring you to a relationship. Because there's no other reason why you would do them. And that's exactly why Hashem turned off the program for the hukim. It's actually what makes you a greater Jew. But like everything in life, the thing that makes you great can make you the worst. Hashem gives you money, it could make you awesome, it can make you the worst, it could destroy you. Any big gift could be your biggest curse. The biggest gift to a Jew is his hook. Every time you do something in your life and you don't understand it, as long as you know Hashem wants you to do it, that's all you have to know. And you don't understand it, that's another opportunity. That you say to yourself, I don't know why I can't press this button. I don't know why. But Hashem said, another point for the relationship. Every time you fulfill a hook, it's bringing you closer as long as you understand. The greatest part of our relationship to Hashem is also the biggest danger for people who don't understand that drives them off the derech. But it could actually become the thing that puts you most on the dinner. And that's what the Goy realizes. And look at the next Pasuk. Why is the Goy saying the Hukim are so wow? They're so amazing. Why is the Goy so excited about the Huk? Kimi Goy Gadol. Because who is a nation like ours? Asherlo Elohim Kerovim Elav. That has. His creator is close to him. That has a relationship with his creator. It's not a marriage of do's and don't do's. I do this, you do that. I cook, you work, I take care of the kids, you travel, I do, I do. That's a marriage that is going to fail. And certainly be an unhappy one. Those things are important. But what's most important is the relationship. Is the emotional connection that you have with somebody. That's what the Goy sees. When he sees the Hakim and he thinks about them, he says, wow, I got it. I understand why they have a relationship with their Creator. It's not about what you should do or not do. It's not a constitution. It's a real bayit. And this shalom bayit. Now you get shalom bayit with communication. By talking, 
by feeling the other person's pain, by discussing. By the way, when a goy wants to convert, and he goes through all the different things that you need for a proper conversion, you know what the last thing is before he can become a Jew? We tell him, jump in the mikveh. Now the mikveh is the biggest hook. Makes no sense whatsoever. It's a body of water. It could be filthy and dirty also. And somehow, the person who came in clean got out dirty and yet he's the hook. It makes sense. Same guy goes into the shower, tameh. Goes into a beautiful, clean pool, all just clean, beautiful. Mikveh, tahor. How long? One moment, one second. How does that work? I don't know. I honestly don't know. And you also don't know. Goy comes, says, I want to be a Jew. Okay. Go to the mikveh. He says, but why? Exactly. That's what it's like to be a Jew. You don't have to know why. You have to know that Hashem said to do it. That's what turns a goy into a Jew. And that's why when we buy cups or plates or forks and knives of a goy, before they can enter the Jewish home and become, become Jewish, we take them to the mikveh. Because to become a Jew you need to start to experience hukim. You have to experience the relationship much more than the actual act. And that's what hukim do for us. All this perhaps explains why David Melech when he looked into his generation and he saw nothing wrong, nothing wrong, no averot to speak of. It doesn't mean people were perfect, but there was nothing wrong. People make mistakes, but it was not a lack of commitment. He saw a beautiful generation of people doing everything right until he looked and he saw and he says, the relationship is missing. There's no relationship. Yeah, people are doing all the right things. They're checking all the boxes. From morning till night. Check, 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 check. They're doing great. And again, you need to check the boxes. But there was nothing behind the boxes. There was nothing being built behind the boxes. And that's not what it's about. So what was the solution Says David Melech, we need to start communicating better. You start to make berachot, but make them good, make them right. I'm sure they were making berachot, but they weren't making berachot. They were saying the words. They were doing what was asked of them. What beracha do you make on this? What beracha should I make now? They were learning the halachot of berachot, and they were making every beracha. Remember, nothing was wrong. That means they were making berachot. But they weren't really making berachot. And David Melech saw that berachot 
is the solution when people don't have a relationship. When people aren't talking to each other from the heart and saying thank you and how much I love you and how special you are. If people aren't doing that, the relationship is not going anywhere. They could be doing all day long things for their husband, for their wife, for their children. If there is no words exchanged that come from Ahava, you're not building anything. You're going through all the motions, and if you went to speak to someone, you would say, I'm doing it all right. Look, check, 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 check. It's all right. Tell me, what am I doing wrong? You're doing everything right, but everything wrong. Because you're doing it, and you're forgetting the purpose. That's what David Amalek says. These people need a relationship. They have to start to talk to Hashem. They're doing everything right, but Hashem is missing. There's no relationship. And you're probably thinking, I make berachot. What would David Hamela say about me? I don't know that our berachot are really berachot. To be honest, I'm talking to myself. Lucky for me, I'm giving these classes over the last few weeks. I'm starting to get my berachot better. Because I'm realizing every week that my berachot are really not up to par. Whether it's swallowing almost half the words, whether it's running while I'm saying the beracha, whether it's... I don't know how many of our berachot actually count in David Melech's book. You know the worst, most powerful word in a beracha is? It's actually a very surprising word. It's really, if you think about it, it's even not nice to say it. And that's when we say to Hashem, Baruch Atah, you. We don't even refer to a human who is supposed to be more mechubad, a great rabbi. You don't say you. Say the rabbi or a great person. You don't address them. You. It's not, not kavod. You sounds like, like me and you, you know. Me and you, we're the same. So you try to make it like this separation. The, the rabbi, the... And here we come in front of the creator of the world. And we say, Baruch Atah. Where's your respect? Where's your humility? And by the way, we end off the right way. We say, She'akol We don't say, She'akol We don't say, Your words, you make everything happen. We say, Everything happens with his word. Bore, he creates. We don't say barata. So we get it right in the beracha. But somehow, in the beginning, or asher ki deshanu mitzvotav, like a third person, he sanctified us with his mitzvot. We don't say, you sanctified us with your mitzvot. It's not, it's not nice to talk to God like that. He's not an equal to you. But why every beracha do you start Baruch Atah? It should be Baruch Hu. 
He should be blessed. The reason why we need the word Atta is because the entire Beracha is really about Atta. Let me explain what I mean. You only say the word Atta to someone who's next to you. You can't use the word you to someone who's not here. Someone who's not here is him, is her. Atta is someone here. Which means that if you're making a beracha and you're not saying Atta, or you may be saying the word Atta, but you're not feeling that the person you're talking to is here so that you could say Atta, then you really haven't made a beracha. If you haven't approached the beracha by looking and seeing Hashem in front of you, who gave you the food that you're eating, who helped you go to the bathroom, who gave you your breath this morning, who gave you eyes to see. If you're not seeing Him giving you the eyes and the bread and the grapes and the drink, if you're not seeing that, then you haven't really made a beracha. Again, you made a beracha. You may get credit for the beracha, but you missed the point. That we can call Hashem Atta. What a privilege. What an honor. I saw that Hashem gave Moshe Rabbeinu permission that we should call him Atta. Although not the simple wording of the words, the simple translation. When you command the Jewish people, tell them to address me. I want them to talk to me. And this Atta is very powerful. Atta means that you're living with Hashem in your life a hundred times a day. A hundred times a day. You're feeling in the presence of the Creator of the world. And there's nothing like being in the presence of the Creator. I don't have the time today, maybe next week, but I will tell you one thing. If you are in the Creator's presence, there is no fear, there is no anxiety, there is no worry. How much of our time are we spending on those issues alone? I once saw a beautiful bumper sticker in Israel. I'll never forget, I'm sure I said this many times. It says, If you're afraid of one, means you're aware of Hashem. If you're living with Hashem, He's not afraid of anyone, He's not afraid of anything. He's only afraid to lose the relationship, that's all. That's the only thing you should be scared of. When you have this powerful relationship with someone, who's very powerful, the only fear you should have is losing the relationship. But with the relationship, what could you be scared of? The creator of the world is with me. What am I scared of? What do I have anxiety about? What can I worry about? Does that mean life's going to be easy because Hashem is with you? No. Because life wasn't meant to be easy. Life's meant to be challenging. It's part of life. 
But going through challenges with the creator of the world with you is a beautiful ride. It's a sweaty ride. You got to climb. You got to work. But it's a beautiful ride. But having your life empty of your creator is a very hard life. Even when there are no challenges, it's a hard life. And when you have this atta a hundred times a day, it'll transform your life. How easy is that? How easy is it? We're already eating, we're making berachot, we're praying. We're saying the words already. But the word atta is a life changer. Someone told me this morning that for the last few days he's been saying atta for the first time in his life. He's 60 years old. I mean, he's been saying atta for 60 years. But he never really said it. What a difference. What a, what a beracha. It's a whole different beracha. It's a whole different life. Atta empowers you. Atta gives you the power to hurdle over the challenges in your life, your physical challenges, your emotional challenges, your spiritual challenges. If Hashem is with you, how could you fail? It's not possible to fail unless you're alone. Listen to this beautiful pasuk that Hashem tells Cain. When Cain felt very bad because he didn't do the best that he could and because of that his korban wasn't accepted. He was so hurt. He was so disappointed. Hashem told him, get up. Change your life. Improve yourself. Don't sulk. That's what the Yetzirah wants you to think. That you're a nobody. Yesterday I told somebody, I had a, after class here in the morning, a lot of guys here. One of the older guys was talking while I was, I was giving a class. I told him, stop talking. In a nice way. Stop talking. He tells me, he tells me, Rabbi, I can't. I told him, you can't stop talking. I said, if you really believe that, you're not picoros. I said, you are a heretic. You don't believe in God. He didn't expect that from me. <laughs> but it's the truth. What do you mean I can't? What do you mean you can't? What kind, of, what kind of reaction is that? How could you say to anything, I can't? You think you just were put into the world just to go through motions? You don't think there's a general in this world that puts his soldiers where they belong and what they can do? How could you say you can't? You could do anything you want. Sometimes it feels overwhelming, yes. And sometimes you feel you can't do it, yes. But you know what gives you the power to do it? It's called Atta. Hashem tells Cain, listen to these words. He tells him, Cain, you should know, the Yetzirah is never giving up on you. And not on you either, and not on me. In fact, he tells him, La petah hatat robetz. Which means, the Yetzirah is always waiting by the door. What does that mean, he's by the door? It means that even if you got him, let's say, he didn't, he didn't want you to go pray. But you went to pray. He didn't want you to go to class. You went to class. You think he said, oh, I lost. Okay. 
One down. Let me try somebody else. No, no. He waits by the door. He's okay. Listen to class. Get inspired. Get excited. Go for it. I love it. I'm with you. I'll see you on the way out. <laughs> That's what it is. La peta hatat He's always waiting for you. Now, the Yetzirah is a pretty difficult customer. You know it, and I know it. By the way, he's the guy that makes you worry. Yetzirah, people think he's trying to, like, you know, take away your olam haba. No, he's trying to destroy you. It's called ra. Yetzirah. He wants you to be losing your olam haba and your olam hazeh. He wants you to be unhappy. He wants you to sit in bed all day long and not move. He wants you to complain all day. He wants you to cry. He wants you to be afraid. He wants... Everything wrong in your life. That's what he wants. It's a pretty difficult enemy. And he never gives up. Never gives up. Never. And he's smarter than you. He's smarter than me. The Gemara says that the Yetzirah, just to give us an example of what we're dealing with, the Gemara says he's made from fire. You put a human, God forbid, in fire, gone. That means we don't stand a chance to fight him. You finding yourself difficult to grow spiritually? Of course. You're having some issues in your life? Of course. You're worried? You have issues that you have all, you're losing sleep over? Of course. He has you right where he wants you. He will turn the world around to make sure that you don't succeed. And you don't have the shot to beat him. Sounds very encouraging, doesn't it? <laughs> impossible. I'm telling you, it's impossible. That's the rule number one. It is impossible. La peta hatat robets. No matter what you did, no matter what victory you won, he is waiting at the door for the next thing. You just wait. So then what's, what's, what's the advice here? Hashem tells Cain, it's true. La peta hatat robets. It's true. He's a very difficult enemy, this guy. Ve'ata timshol bo. Hashem says to Cain, but you could do it. You have the ability to rise over him. That's a simple meaning. But today's beautiful explanation is Ve'ata. If you have ata in your life, if you're making berachot every day, and you say baruch ata, and you're living in Hashem's presence, ve'ata timshol bo. Like the Gemara says, he's fire. If Hashem didn't help you, you're not beating him. But Hashem will help you. As long as you have a relationship. Ve'atatim shobo. Tavira Melech says we have to strengthen the relationship a hundred times a day. And by the way, when you strengthen the relationship, you know what happens? Look at the pasuk that we opened with. Shiviti Adonai Lenegdi Tamid. Says David Melech. I live with Hashem all day. No matter where I am, 
I'm fighting a war, Hashem is there. I'm making a beracha, Hashem is there. I'm learning, Hashem is there. I'm helping somebody, Hashem is there. No matter what I'm doing, Hashem is with me. Tamid, always. Continues the pasuk and says, Ki mimini, when Hashem is to my right, bal emot. Bal emot means, I cannot fall. If Hashem is with you, you will not fall. Again, I warn you, I don't mean life will be easy. In America, you say, it's a good life, they think it means easy life. Life is not meant to be easy. You could forget about that. Not in this world. Don't even look forward to it. It's not happening. But having Hashem with you, you'll never fall. Instead of bumping into the hurdles and falling, you'll be climbing over them. One by one. And you'll realize that you're getting higher and higher. And you're getting closer and closer. And you're becoming more special every day. Because Hashem is with you. If it's, Hashem is with you, how could you fall? Ki mimini, There's no way you could fall. There was a great rabbi that lived in Detroit. His name is Rabbi Baxt. Allah shalom. And he, he was an American boy who in the, I guess, 30s or 20s went to Europe to go learn in yeshiva. In those days, there were no yeshivot in America. This was like a spiritually void country. can't imagine it. So if you had to go to yeshiva, want to go learn Torah, you had to go to Europe in those days. So he went to yeshiva in Europe. He's a young man. It wasn't easy those days. The whole the depression, the wars, the whatever was going on. And the Hafez Hayim happened to come to his town to give Hayzuk to the people. Imagine the Hafez Hayim. Hafez was a Malach on this planet. And he writes, or Black says, when he saw him, he saw the Hafez Hayim and he told him who he was, a boy from America. He was very impressed that he came to learn. He says, the Hafez Hayim grabbed my hand. And he said to me, he says, Beni, my son, listen to me. Be careful with your berachot. And with that, you'll be saved from all your troubles and suffering. Rabbaks had a lot of suffering. Whether it was Siberia that he had to go. Ended up in Japan. Shanghai. Life wasn't easy. But he had Mimini Bal Emot. He had someone with him that took him every step of the way. And he became a very accomplished big man. Berachot with Ata literally transform our lives. I shared a story the other night that I heard from a principal in a well-known yeshiva here in Brooklyn. That tells a story of twin boys 
that were in yeshiva. And as sometimes happens, the twin boys, they're not exactly the same when it comes, not only their looks, but the way they are in school. Some were given a strong mind, some not so much. And it's not a very easy thing to deal with. One boy was always the top of the class. Brilliant. He got things on the spot. The other boy worked, worked, worked. Couldn't get anywhere. One boy is getting hundreds without studying. One boy could hardly pass with hours of studying. Very frustrating for the mother, for the father, for the school, for the boy. Imagine, it's hard enough not to do well in school when your brother is the guy. Oh, you're his brother? Oh, yeah, that's me. Every teacher would see, oh, you're his, oh, your brothers? Oh, wow. And he know what that means, he's not stupid. I don't know what grade this was. It sounds like a little bit of an older grade. And his rabbi that year was teaching him. Notices in the middle of the year that this boy is involved in class. He's learning. He's asking questions that even make sense. And like, he's becoming a normal kid. He's doing well in his tests. He's involved in like a different child. He doesn't know what happened. He calls the mother. He doesn't want to tell you about your son. He's doing beautifully. I can't believe the change from the beginning of the year to now. Could you please tell me what you're doing? What What are you feeding him? Like what are you? What, what is it? The mother said, Rabbi, really? I don't know. Nothing. I can't tell. I don't know. You don't know? Really? No? Okay. A few weeks later, he sees his father. Tell his father, you don't know your son. He's unbelievable what he's doing, what he became. Tell him, could you tell me what you're doing? Like, how did that happen? Nah. But it was like a nah, like, he knows what I was going to say. There's different types of no, you know? So he's like, nah, whatever. I don't know, what are you, whatever. What are you doing? Nah, you have to tell me. What, what, what are you doing? He said, like, let me tell you this. I gave up. He says, for years, I'm getting tutors. I'm getting extra help. I'm doing A, I'm doing B, I'm doing C, I'm doing D. He says, I did everything. And nothing's working. He says, I decided a few months ago. I don't know, six months, I don't know how long. That every morning, I say a beracha. We say Birkota Torah, na. Hashem, please make your Torah sweet for us, for our children. He said, I decided I'm going to say that Beracha. I'm going to say it right. And every morning, instead of rushing, I'd stop, I sit down, and I say the Beracha with all that I have. It's a big deal to make berachot. It makes a big difference in what happens. 
And this title says, this title again says, that there is no greater, I say it again, I'm repeating his words, there is no greater way for a mother to ensure that her children will grow up to be refined, beautiful, God-fearing children. With midotovot, how do they do it? By saying berachot slowly and carefully, especially in the house. Yes, we have to cook and clean and shop and do and everything we have to do. And we focus so much of our time on it. And we need to. It's chesed. But sometimes we forget the most powerful moments. When you're about to make a beracha and you stop in front, especially in front of your children, what does that do to a five-year-old? Or to a 20-year-old? When a mother picks up an apple or an orange, closes her eyes, that's the real way to make it better. Close our eyes. Baruch Atah. Hashem. What does that do to a house? If that's done many times a day, you don't have to preach. You don't have to teach. Just make perachot. Just make it real. You'll bring simha into your home. You'll bring simha into your children. You'll give them strength. You will give them the ata that they too can be victorious over the yetzerah that's also trying to get them just like you. Whatever challenges you have, they're going to have more. Just a way of life. Empower them. Show them the ata that's available to them. It's something that Every one of us has such power and it's not long and it's not hard and it's so enjoyable. You know the food tastes better when you make a beracha? As crazy as that might sound, it does. It brings you great pleasure. In fact, when you make a beracha, you're supposed to focus on the pleasure because you'll appreciate more what you're getting. A beracha sometimes can bring tears into your eyes when you think about what it is that you're saying. People pray for refuash lema for people, they say tehillim. But they forget that asher yatsar is the biggest beracha for refuah, for health. Hashem is the healer of every person. Make the asher yatsar and say it, put it in your house, outside the bathrooms. They have nice, beautiful ones that they put outside. Read it and say it. The whole class today is going to take three minutes out of your day. It's all it's just three minutes. If you take all the five seconds here, five seconds there, it's three minutes, not more. But it's three minutes that regular changes your life. Berachot is not what's going to do it. It's a different kind of beracha. It's a beracha that comes from the lev. It's a beracha that sees Hashem so close that you're able to say ata. 
You say it slowly. You say it with your heart. And you not only will have a beautiful experience, you've empowered yourself and all the people around you to have so much more ability and so much more pleasure in their life. You don't have to be a big tzaddik to do this. You don't have to be a big rabbi to do this. And sometimes you talk about things like, hey, I'm not on that level. It's very high for me. Where do I start? It's not that kind. We're all the same. Everyone's the same on this. The same words. It's not long. Translation is easy. It's not even about the words. We're all capable. Slow. Nice. Ata. Say thank you. And bring power into your life. If this was the item that all of Am Yisrael was doing beautifully, says David, this is the item. This will fix all their problems, which it did at that time. How many problems could it fix in our lives? Hopefully ones that will never come. And even the ones that are here. I'll end off with this quick story about a man who had a court case in Israel who was accused of something that he didn't do. And it wasn't looking that great. And it was his final day in court. They were going to give the final verdict. He went to one of his rabbis. He asked him for a beracha. And he asked him for a segula. What can I do? I'm in the court. I need help. He told him here. He took out a piece of candy from his pocket. Says, take it. Put it in your pocket. So Rabbi, what? What is this? Candy? What is that going to do? He said, when you walk into the court, right before they start, take out the candy from your pocket and make the wildest beracha you ever made. Everything. Like David says, V'chol keravai. Chol keravai means I make a beracha with everything that I have. Make a beracha she'akol miyadonu. That's what the Hafez Hayim told our blacks. And that's what we also can tap into every single day. Berachot are powerful. They're real. And by Ezrat Hashem, they will bring a lot of beracha to all of us. Baruch Amen. Amen. Amen.